This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. It is Wednesday, September 25th. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I'm here today with Paul Farnell. How are you doing, Paul? Doing great. Thanks, Ben. Uh, so you are the founder of Litmus, uh, which is a company that does uh, email previews and analytics and uh, spam filter testing. So your mission is like get email campaigns looking correct and actually in the inbox. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. My name is Paul Farnell, and along with uh, two others, Matthew Brinley and David Smalley, I'm um, yeah the founding team of, of Litmus. And that was uh, back in 2005. You started. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. So it's been um, well, what seems like an age now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, since we started. How are things going? Uh, great. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, the past kind of three or four years in particular, since we opened the office in the U.S., um, uh, have been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we're very lucky. Yeah. So it's funny. People talk about the sort of like long, slow ramp of death with SaaS, mm-hmm. like that sort of long period. And so, so it sounds like you're saying like basically five years in, things started really taking off. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Um, Within a year, we could kind of tell that there was uh, kind of traction and this was something worth pursuing. Um, but, yeah, I would say it took kind of four or five years before we were like, oh, wow, like this is a real business now, mm. you know. Um, and we had uh, employees and an office and stuff before then. Um, but I would say, yeah, four or five years in was when it was like, wow, okay, this is this is really going somewhere. Like, this is this going to be a big deal. And do, and do you think that was just like it took time for people to find you or was it the product needed improving? I think a combination of both. Um, definitely, I think it was once we expanded beyond just email previews, uh, that really helped. So um, yeah, we've been doing email previews pretty much from the start uh, and browser testing as well, uh, though the focus is on email. But then we released this analytics product, and I think that's what helped kind of really grow our market a bit more uh, and kind of build off the success we'd had with previews, have people spending a bit more money because they had to upgrade the plan, some new features and that kind of thing, and began using Litmus a bit more with their clients. And so we had more kind of agency deals and, and companies like that who were you know, willing to spend a bit more um, add more users to it, and um, uh, you know, and that I think made a big difference to to our you know our revenue base. Yeah. yeah. Did it take you a while to realize that that's who your customer base needed to be? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, we definitely when we started Litmus because we had uh, this need originally for browser testing for ourselves. I was doing freelance web design along um, with Matt and Dave, and uh, and. Cross-browser testing something I had to do. I hated the tools that were out there. They're either really expensive or just terribly designed. And so we kind of had a crack at building our own. Um, that's how we got started. And um, so I guess, honestly, for the first two, three years, like we focused almost entirely on selling to people like ourselves, selling to freelancers. And was this browser testing of sites then, not email? Yes. Originally, oh, okay. yeah, originally for about the first six months, uh, we only did browser testing. Uh, and then we... I mean, we knew there was a need for email testing. It's a bit more complicated to develop. Um, but we got a lot of feedback from people saying, you know, browser testing is hard, but email testing is even more difficult. Um, you know, I can have a couple of different machines and install most browsers myself. 
Um, but, you know, you can't run multiple copies of notes together. You can't run multiple copies of Outlook together. Like, all this stuff has licensing fees attached, you know. Um, so whilst there was some complexity around, you know, multiple copies of IE or whatever, all browsers were free and all that kind of thing. So um, there was definitely more cost and complexity involved in people doing their own email testing. Gotcha. Uh, so we, we started to, to build that. And so about a year in, we launched the email testing product. Okay. Interesting. And now, so I, I signed up for a trial and, and did a little demo, and you test in a crazy array <laughs> of different things. Yes. Like old BlackBerry <laughs> operating systems that yeah. don't support HTML <laughs> email, and like, it's, I was kind of blown away. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, the breadth of uh, devices and platform stuff that we test on is obviously a, a big selling point. Um, yeah, and especially those like older mobile phones or, you know, old versions of Lotus Notes. Like, where do you even get that from? Like, I don't want to have to run Lotus Note 6 um, locally and stuff. So that's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's been a big part. So I know you're not a, uh, on the technical side, but it looks like you're sort of spinning up virtual machines that have the software installed and like viewing the email there and taking a screenshot. Is that the rough gist? Yep, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we do a lot of hosting on our own hardware. Um, which we actually use Mac Minis for. We found that to be uh, a good choice because it has a lot. I mean, as you say, I'm not the technical guy, so I, you know, limited knowledge of this. But um, Mac Minis have been great for us from a hosting perspective because uh, they have great graphics cards. Hmm. And what we found was, um, if you take some of the kind of crappy uh, server hardware, that's obviously not optimized for graphics. But we're trying to load people's emails, and it's all about the screenshot, right? And so the screenshots were super slow, or you know they would run out of memory and all this kind of stuff. Um, trying to capture these big. Uh, screenshots of emails. So uh, Mac Minis have been great for us. We also do a lot of hosting on uh, Amazon EC2 as well as okay. kind of overflow uh, when the system gets really busy. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, uh, your the way you hooked me was like very clever. I thought so. It's on the there's on the site and it's like oh like click here enter your email to and we'll show you like a preview <laughs> of this thing. And it's like oh guess what you have a free trial account. <laughs> I mean more or less it was pretty. Yes. Easy. But it's yeah. interesting. I was like oh now I'm in the product. Yes. It was yeah. uh, it was really an easy gateway in there. Yeah, no, I'm glad that worked well for you. Um, yeah, we started doing that maybe six months ago, uh, and that's been really, yeah, that's been, definitely been really successful from a marketing point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you, yeah, I mean, we give you a sample email, so you can just hit one button and you drop straight into the product, right? Uh, and that begins your your trial, basically. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, people seem to really like that. We had a little bit of abuse of that, you know, people using that instead of obviously signing up with a credit card or whatever, but fairly minimal. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, tons. I, I mean, it's great just to start that conversation with somebody like you have their email uh, you know after they've run that test right and so we can then reach out and you know upgrade you to a full trial and put your card details in it's that kind of gradual engagement process there yeah um, yeah has worked really well and you're super happy with that yeah definitely yeah yeah no, that's been very good cool yeah so what do you focus on and during on your day-to-day <laughs> yeah that's a good question i guess that's something that's um that has been changing quite a bit over the years. Uh, I mean, I used to do all of our UI design up until nine months ago, something like that, a year ago. Uh, everything design-wise uh, on Litmus, basically, was was me. And then, yeah, we we ended up hiring a couple of designers who are actually way better than me. And so all the good stuff that you see recently uh, is them, not me. Um, Your uh, marketing site is beautiful. Thanks. Yes. Really yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm really pleased with how that came out. We have a redesign of the app itself, uh, which is in the kind of final stages now, which is looking awesome. Like, again, not, none of my work there. But, um, but, yeah, really, really great to have people on the team that are just totally focused on that. Um, but, yeah, with that off my plate, I mean, nowadays, uh, I suppose my job is mainly... I guess business development would sum it up best. You know, it's it's perhaps um, you know 
exploratory calls with this person or that person or this company or meeting with this guy and you know uh, things that may turn into something huge or they may turn into nothing and that's um i guess a lot of what i'm doing i know that's a kind of vague answer but um you know it's uh exploratory meetings about partnerships or licensing and have have those been um substantial sources of revenue for you already uh yes yeah definitely um yeah i mean that's the side of the business that we're definitely trying to grow um we have um i guess a couple of different types of partnerships we partner with email service providers so companies like mailchimp and campaign monitor and and folks like that Mm -hmm. uh, who use our api to integrate the litmus previews into their own products so if you use mailchimp you can use like a cut down version of litmus right inside it you don't need a litmus account Mm -hmm. um but it's nice it's branded as litmus and so you know you you get to kind of try it within MailChimp, yeah. and then if you want more, you want a fully fledged product. You can obviously come that must to have us been direct. Pretty substantial for you guys to to get that. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, they've been great to work with. Um, yeah, and we get a lot of business kind of referred that way. You know, from people trying it out there. Mm. Uh, so that's been good. So we actually, I mean, the campaign monitor MailChimp are a couple of the bigger ones. Um, Silverpop is another that's uh, that's been big for us. But we have about 125 of those. Um, email service provider integrations, uh, which are live at the moment, which is a big deal and it and does drive a fair bit of revenue directly, <clears throat> um, and also is helpful as I mentioned from a marketing perspective because that's where people are finding out about us. Um, so yeah, no, I mean that's been great. Um, the other side, I guess, that we we have um, is sort of partnerships with agencies or um, email companies that are doing a lot of service business. Um, so you know. This would be people who are kind of provisioning Litmus accounts for their clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have sub-accounts within like a, a bigger Litmus account. Uh, and that's a fairly recent thing that we introduced, but that's made a huge difference too. And we've got some really great names using us kind of through these big agencies and stuff. So, mm. so that's been exciting as well. Yeah. But obviously that comes with a bit more work on the, you know, on the, on the biz dev side to, to make those happen. Hmm. It's interesting. From As, as a developer, uh, I feel like email marketing in general has a little bit of a, a bad name. Um, we're sort of like very sensitive about our email inboxes, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, and it's easy in this world to sort of forget that email is actually huge business. Like you guys are like, it, it's a it's a fairly niche thing in a way what you do. And yet is part of things, something that makes a lot of companies a ton of money. And so it's actually something that's, you know, a very viable business. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think people are sometimes surprised that we, have this, you know, with 23 people, um, you know, revenues fairly significant and so on. And, um, yeah, to build that pretty much off the back of just previewing emails, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it seems, seems very niche and, uh, and maybe it's unexpected. But, yeah, I mean, as a channel, um, for most companies, like, this is going to be their best performing channel. Um, mm. So, I mean, it's – and if, of course, if your email doesn't look right, then, you know, those segment of people who are using Gmail or whatever, you know, it's 20% of your list – they can't respond to the offer or, you know, right. or it reflects badly on the brand because the email looks like crap. You know? Yeah, it it made me realize uh, how much email, how effective this channel must be. I was at uh, a sporting goods store of some kind and they offered me, it was basically the equivalent of like $20 for my email address. It was like 50% off this purchase or like some some percentage off a purchase up to like 20 bucks for an email address. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, clearly you're getting more than that back on average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had similar experiences. Yeah. And it is kind of crazy. Yeah. People in retail willing to do discounts, $10, $20, something like that for, uh, for you to join the list. But yeah, I mean, as you say, that's a great uh, example of how valuable it is to them, you know, over a period of years right. um, to have you on file. Yeah. Lifetime value is pretty substantial just from yeah. one email address. <clears throat> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense too. Cause like, I, I mean, it's like the first thing I do, I'm in bed still and I have my phone open. It's like, Oh, there's my email 
from those people saying, you know, we got smart wool socks, you know, three right. for one kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I believe it. Uh, so you actually started off creating companies when you were young. This is like a <laughs> lifetime passion for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it is. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously by far the, uh, the biggest thing that I've done. But yeah, there have been, been a few others. You didn't yeah. want to just go get like a boring, nor- boring uh, normal job or something? <laughs> um, I guess, I mean, no. <laughs> I tried that. I, I, yeah, I used to sell um, suits was my first like proper job. I did that for a year or so. Um, yeah, and like hiring suits for weddings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, which was, it was all right. I mean, it was interesting from a sales point of view. And you were, you were, we were, uh, a lot of that was on commission. Um, so that was kind of a good experience, I guess, to, sure. uh, to sell people suits and ties and all that stuff but uh but yeah no i mean i think um i mean i started doing some software stuff when i was about 12 13 14 kind of time um and sold a little uh, product online this like shareware product called instant theme creator mm-hmm. uh, was the first thing that kind of sold online and um i mean that did that did fine i mean when you're 14 or whatever it doesn't uh take a lot of revenue to you know feel fairly significant getting two hundred dollars a month or something uh you know even that starting out uh was great you know and was um was more than you know my friends had to spend on uh clothes or whatever we, we wanted to buy so yeah. um yeah so that was kind of fun and i mean i ran that for a long time like i grew a bit more released a few other products uh software products that way um yeah um so yeah it was good did it I, for a short time i sold um <laughs> used to import these uh they were like iPod headphone, like cable wraps. It was mm-hmm. called Smart Wrap. I, I think it's still around. In fact, I, I saw it um, a couple of years ago. They were selling them in the Apple Store, which I thought was great. I oh, mean, wow. Obviously, nothing to do with me. But um, yeah, there was a company in. Gosh, I can't even remember where they were. Um, where they actually where they were actually manufactured. Um, but it was really hard. I wanted to buy some, and it was really hard to get them shipped to the UK. Uh, and so I set up a deal with the the guy. I mean, there was only a couple of people running the company. Um, to be like the exclusive distributor of these smart wrap, um, you know, these cable wrap things mm-hmm. uh, in the UK. Obviously, that's where I was living at the time. Um, and that actually, that was pretty successful, you know, like um, doing some decent like, SEO and, and ad, AdWords and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually got a fair few sales. And every day I was like shipping out dozens of these, um, you know, these little cable wrap things. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was kind of fun, different to do a, like a physical good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway. Okay, so this is a, this is a serial thing for you. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, all the other things were very, very small. I mean, this is by far, um, you know, as I say, the biggest thing I've done. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, definitely a passion. Yeah. So you you said you were in the UK before. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, brought you guys to Boston? Because you're in, you're actually in Cambridge right now, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's a great question. So we so we started the company in 2005. It was 2009 um, that I moved over here. So we've been running for about four years, and um, most of our customers were based in the U.S. Uh, and also, uh, as I mentioned, those partnerships with uh, people like MailChimp and so on. Mm-hmm. Most of the companies that we wanted to partner with were also based in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it was tricky for us as a small company uh, based overseas. You know, our contracts for the, the partnerships were all U.K. law and all this kind of thing. It was hard to compete with other companies in the U.S. who were doing similar things and trying to get similar deals. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people definitely didn't take us as seriously uh, because we were small and foreign and whatever. Um, you had those funny accents. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
<laughs> so um so i moved here first of all uh, and i was based i don't know if you know the cambridge innovation center mm-hmm. yeah in kendall uh, so that was great i mean it was just me and a desk and it was you know essentially a sales office um with just me here and uh, and that helped definitely that helped you know be able to travel visit clients and potential partners and stuff more easily um but uh we were then hiring for developers and we had a couple of ads up or a couple of positions open rather in the uk and um we thought well why not advertise them in the u.s as well right and just say the job's open in cambridge and um we ended up getting way better applicants in cambridge than we did uh back in in leeds in britain and um so <laughs> in the end, I mean, we so we interviewed people in both places. I flew back and then we, we flew our CTO, Matt, over here. Interviewed people in both places. We're like, wow, people here are like just, I mean, just a, you know, a cut above mm. uh, the kinds of people that we're able to attract in Britain. And so we thought, all right, well, you know, um, <laughs> let's beef up the presence here and, and, and hire them uh, in Cambridge. Mm. And so we moved uh, Matt over as well to say the CTO. And um, and hired a couple of developers and a and a support person, um, and uh, yeah, and fairly quickly, um, although it wasn't planned this way in advance, the U.S. office kind of became the main presence for the company because we just had more people here. Mm-hmm. And so then when we had other open jobs, we tended to advertise here first. We found more great people, and we have an, an awesome team here uh, now. And so now the majority of the of the team are based here, and we you know moved into our own space, and now it's, it's definitely the kind of HQ for, for Litmus is mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. It's interesting. I, it, it seems like um, in the past, people would move somewhere because the companies were there. So it's like you move from the country to the city because that's where the jobs were. And it seems, at least in tech, to have sort of shifted to where companies are now going to where the developers are. Hmm. Because, like, for instance, I don't think, like, Austin is becoming this, like, this tech hotbed or, like, Boulder, things like that. And I don't think it's because companies decided this is an amazing place to do business. It's more like, actually, we can hire a lot of developers here because developers want to live there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, actually. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean that was definitely the case for us. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I think you're seeing that elsewhere too. Yeah, it's good because yeah. yeah. I've, I've I've had this theory for a little while, and it's it's interesting to hear that this is exactly what happened with you guys. Absolutely, yes. And it's yeah. it's awesome as a developer, you know, because I I think it, I can go kind of live where I want to, and it's like, well, if there's enough yeah. of us here, then companies will start showing up, and yeah, yeah, it turns into then it sort of reinforces. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we've we've definitely hired uh, remote people as well. Uh, and that's worked out really well for us too. Mm. So we have a number of people that are based, we've got a guy in Canada, someone in Italy, mm. um, both Ruby on Rails developers. Mm. Um, and uh, one of our designers is out in Phoenix. Like, I mean, we've got people kind of spread all over uh, and that's worked really well too. So, I mean, I'm definitely a proponent of remote working as well as, um, you know, although the office is great and I enjoy having people there face to face. And we do try and fly out. Everyone who's remote will come out, I don't know, Every three or four months, mm-hmm. um, at least, you know, and stay for a few days at a time and, and just to have that face-to-face interaction. But definitely uh, remote working's worked out really well for us, too, mm. you know, which I guess just to, you know, I bring that up because I think you actually could genuinely live anywhere you like. And, um, you know, as long as the time zone is reasonable, then that, it works out great. Yeah, yeah. And that seems like another thing that's shifting is the sort of perception and around mm. that in particular. Yes. It's yeah. going to be more and more of an option. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, honestly, we, we have definitely struggled to find um, enough 
Rails developers and .NET developers. So our back end is all kind of .NET because we're doing a lot of automation of Windows stuff and that kind of thing. So it makes sense. But uh, but yeah, all the front end side is Ruby on Rails. And uh, yeah, definitely struggle to find uh, enough people uh, locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, so we we generally when we list the job, we just say it's anywhere and you know be great if they were local. But if they're not, that's that's fine too. Yeah. You know? It's amazing what sufficient demand will do. Mm, yes. It's like the, the industry is very much being uh, shaped by the fact that people the demand is so high. And so all these these new things are happening, like yeah. or new-ish things, like you know acceptance of remote work and like these developer training things, like what we do or other boot yeah. camps, things like that. There's just the demand at the top for experienced developers is like so strong that like there's a bunch of things that are shifting around yes. that are new. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I guess that's, yeah, I mean, for us, we've always thus far always hired experienced developers we haven't yet uh taken on any kind of junior positions uh but that's definitely something we would like to explore and it, it feels like there are there are many more people like in that uh, you know maybe they got a year or two's experience um or, or maybe even less but um mm-hmm. or, or they're coming from a different language or something like that and um yeah we haven't really felt like we've had the bandwidth to uh kind of take people like that on in order to give them the kind of mentorship and training that they would need to to be really successful yep. um but I would love to see us do that, you know, um, in the next year or two. Yeah, well. and, and th- as as another thing that's been that's happened as a result of this demand is, so we have the same problem, which is it's hard to find really experienced people, uh, and so we created our apprentice program mm-hmm. that was basically created out of that need. It's like, okay, well, let's figure out a way to take these people that have less experience but we think are promising, and I, I, that's become I think our best source of people now. I think uh-huh. we've had more full time hires out of that program than anything else. Yeah, uh, it's. So it's interesting to see the, really the, cool. the industry shift and companies shift and like, okay, what do we have to do now that, you know, it's so hard to get people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, am I right in saying that you've also opened up that apprenticeship program to other companies in the area, right? So you may hire people from that, but also... Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they it's, there's no uh, obligation. Okay. It's, sort of, yeah. it's, it's a three-month program, and, you know, if we, we hire actually a good number of those people, but some mm-hmm. of them don't end up wanting to work here or they, yeah. you know, have this dream of going somewhere else. Sure. Um, and so it's there's no commitment yeah no that's really cool yeah. yeah no that's great to see so has your growth in uh litmus been a fairly steady process or is it kind of more of a step function where like suddenly you figure something out and like bam there's like a big difference all of a sudden generally it's been uh, a kind of a steady growth accelerating over time but not like in a hockey stick like fashion right mm-hmm. just um yeah kind of um reliable kind of steady growth which i think is really good and very healthy um i will say there have been a couple of things that we've done especially earlier on that actually did wow we changed this and suddenly you know we've had like a hundred percent increase in a month or something Mm -hmm. um and one of those was um the currency that we charged in uh, so this is probably not something that would really affect uh, many people listening to this, but we thought we were being really clever when we, like earlier on, in charging uh, customers in euros, because we thought, well, we're a British company, but you know the pound is not used as widely as the euro, so let's you know use the euro because I, I don't know why we, I, it just now it seems crazy to even say it, but um, <laughs> so we priced everything in euros, and of course, if you're, I mean. If you're in the U.S. or anywhere that doesn't use the euro, you're unlikely to know the exchange rate like off the top of your head. It's hard to judge. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't even know it right now, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, 
so I think a lot of people came to the site and felt, especially um, people in the U.S., felt like, well, this just isn't for me. Like, right. this is a thing for, for Europe or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we'll put off. And so that was a big mistake. But it, we didn't really realize that until, I mean, we've been doing it for maybe, I forget, really, maybe six months, nine months or so. And we started to get just very occasionally little bits of feedback from customers who um, who said, yeah, you know, I, I looked at it, but it, it just felt like it as I say, it wasn't for me because uh, because of the currency. And so we just switched it to dollars and within a month. I mean, literally like 100% growth in uh, in new signups. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, it was such a big difference. So, I mean, I would never charge for, uh, for for things online, you know, at least to begin with in anything but yeah. dollars these days. But. It's funny that such a small thing would do that. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's like a like like you said it's a it's an indicator it's a marker mm. it's just like a sign like you don't know the secret handshake yeah. this is not you know I'm not in this club yes yeah no absolutely um, yeah so that made a big difference but I would say uh, overall definitely kind of steady accelerating growth but not um, yeah I mean nothing kind of crazy but th- I mean I think that's good I mean I um, maybe it sounds silly to say that you know that's good rather than you know growing like crazy but I think. Um, because it's been kind of steady and over time, it's given us. Um, it, we haven't felt rushed into uh, hiring like a ton of people all at once, and that kind of messing up the culture. Or you know, like yeah. we're hiring one, two people at a time, like every few months or so, maybe every six months um, throughout the life of the company, pretty much. And uh, we've been hiring a little bit more recently, but um, I think that's important that you people get a chance to you know join the team and fit in and like settle in and everything and it doesn't feel like everything's sort of changing around you the whole time yeah um you know and i think that's a function of uh the, that kind of steady growth and the way that we've managed that uh, but also that we're self-funded and so we're not having you know another round of funding or not seeking that next round or yep. reliant on on that kind of um you know, vc funded kind of model yeah and, and plus it, you've sort of you've earned every bit of it so it's not like any of it was sort of a a trend or like a short-term spike or something it's kind of just like these are all legitimate customers that you know we've built this business slowly and they're likely no one's likely to just disappear on on mass yeah no absolutely yeah i mean it feels much more stable kind of predictable um yeah and like a like a proper business would grow you know or or, you know more old-fashioned business it's funny everybody that it seems like everybody that has built these large substantial SaaS companies uh says roughly that it's like it wasn't just like we didn't just blow up all of a sudden. It was like, yeah, you know, you just you keep slogging at it and you keep improving it every day and every week, and it's a little bit better. And you know, five years later, you look back like, oh yeah, we got a lot of customers now. <laughs> yeah, it just takes time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you need to persevere. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as it's generally going, you know, the right direction, which it always has been for us. I mean, you know, every month is is better than the one before. But we're very fortunate in that way. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it's been great. It's great fun. If I asked you, if I gave you one sheet of paper. Uh, and you had to sort of replace yourself, and your successor was going to be coming on, and their training is just that one page, uh, and they're taking your job. Or, or say, let's even rewind a little bit maybe because you're sort of at a different stage now, but let's say a few years ago when you're, you're trying desperately to grow this thing, what would you put on there? Wow, that's a great question, um, <laughs> uh, but not an easy one. I mean, I think what's, one of the things that's been most important is our focus on the product. I mean, that's the the base of everything, really. Um, the focus on the product and our focus on design. I think you know, in particular, are the two main things that have uh, have driven our success. Um, and when I say focus on the product, I mean keeping that simplicity and kind of elegance that we became known for. And I think that 
certainly a few years ago and still today to some extent, my role was to kind of constantly ensure that the product was elegant and straightforward and we weren't putting in a ton of superfluous stuff in there, that it was answering that core need of the email designer um, and kind of keeping that on track. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm sure that the product improves quite a bit over time, but you stayed focused on the, the core things that you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there were all sorts of different things that we could have done, uh, and I'm really glad that we didn't spread ourselves too thin and get you know pulled in all these different directions and instead um, you know stayed stayed focused on that product and and genuinely you know I, I think have built the best email preview tool that there is. I mean. The, I think we're the market leader in that. And I think the reason is because we've stayed very focused on it and um, and have said no to just an absolute ton of stuff uh, in the meantime. Yeah. So that would be, yeah, off the top of my head, that would be you know, my top piece of advice. Yeah. Too. Do you have any like daily or weekly habits that you do that you think has helped ensure that that works? I mean, constantly using the product myself, I think it's important. Um, you know, but are you an email marketer? Uh, well, I suppose... F- if we're talking a few years ago, I did all the email marketing for Litmus itself, uh, and I'd done it for clients, of course, before that, uh, when I was doing web design. So, yeah, I mean, I was coding the email templates for all our transaction email our newsletters, like putting it together, writing all the copy, um, and, of course, testing it, making sure it worked across different platforms. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't do that myself for our production templates these days, mm-hmm. uh, which is why they look so much better than they used to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I'm still in the product testing stuff myself, you know, um, using it you know, multiple times a week, which I think is uh, is really important to be doing. Yeah. So, like, I I run uh, our Learn product, which is for teaching developers. And as you're saying this, I'm I'm I, I'm constantly in the product and looking at it and and uh, aware of it, but I'm not working on my learning as well. You know, I'm not like learning through it. And I actually had an interesting conversation uh, last week with another thoughtbotter, and he was saying. He's like, I don't use Learn. And that's like, shouldn't I? Like, shouldn't we make it so that I also want to use it? And like, and so there's something in there for me. And I was like, that's such a good point. Yeah. And I, I think that would only help to be in there more and like be a student. Yes. And yeah. so one of the, I asked about habits because I'm trying to like figure out what, what kind of things I should be doing regularly. And one of the things I feel like maybe not as often, but on a semi-regular basis is like sign up from scratch. You know, like go to the site, read the description, sign in, you know, take a class, like see what's, take a workshop, see what's going on. Um, and, and try to use it as someone else, as like a straight-up user would. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, actually, I, I, I do try and do that frequently. I did that fairly recently and um, and realized that actually our... So we send a number of emails when you first sign up uh, as part of that kind of onboarding. And um, and we give you like links to resources that we think would be useful or whatever content that we put together. Uh, and, yeah, the content is still good, but it was way out of date. Uh, and so we've been working on redoing those those kind of welcome series. And that was out of, you know, spotting that those were out of date because you're signing up as a fresh customer and there's no other way to get that series unless you do right. a fresh sign-up. And you haven't seen them in a while because you wrote them, you know, a while back. So that, No, I think that's very important, yeah. Yeah, and it's easy to forget that there are like a million little details that you've decided on and that decision could be now outdated. Yes. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. We do send that, that we send two emails all right at once and like they're kind of redundant or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I think unless you do that, and I mean, sign up properly with a credit card and stuff, and then I got our receipts as well because it was billing me, right? And obviously you can go and cancel and refund, but um, 
that's another thing that you wouldn't see unless you do an actual genuine sign-up, right? Mm-hmm. Even just testing the sign-up process with dummy data is not the same right. as putting in your actual credit card and getting it on the bill. And like, what does the what does the credit card statement say? Does it say litmus? It say salted services, um, you know, because that's the official title. Like that kind of stuff matters, but you don't get that unless you run through it completely as an actual customer would. Yeah, yeah. You know? And no one's ever going to report that to you. Um, you know, I was you know, it said salted services and not litmus or whatever. You know, which is something that happened with us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which you only spot if you're doing it yourself. Right, yeah, that's that's interesting. There's are, there are a bunch of things that are below the threshold of, like, people will actually complain about it. Mm, yeah. Um, but matter. Like, you'd, uh, contribute to their, toward their impression of you. Yes, yeah. The the With the Euros thing, you said that, like, the feedback was only from a couple people, and it seemed small, right? And, like, it ended up being a thing that was massively important, but, like, people weren't, like, banging on your email inbox, being like, this is stupid, this is wrong, change this. It was just kind of like, oh, it seemed a little weird, like it wasn't for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, I literally think we heard that from two people. And it was, it was feedback, it was kind of vague, you know, oh, yeah, it just seemed a little bit odd that you were charging euros. Whereas actually, there were hundreds of people a month that were uh, making this decision not to purchase, you know, yeah. um, based upon that. Yeah, and those are the ones that are, that's the tricky the tricky part, right? It's like there are a lot of people that are abandoning buying from you without ever telling you why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, I suppose the frustrating thing is there must be tons more like that now. Sure, uh, and it's figuring out you know what's the what's the thing we need to change. To. Right. Yeah, and your conversion rate's never going to be a hundred percent, so there are always going to be people that like look at it and like, nope. Yes, it, but yeah. maybe could have been good customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, if you had to, if if you had to step away from the company, say you sold it or something like that, what would you what would you want to go do? Ooh, um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> it's not really something I think about. Um, gosh. Uh, I mean, I would, I'd love to go to art school. Hmm. <laughs> that would probably be um, be what I would do. Yeah. Um, I did a business degree, uh, which was fun. It was good. Um, I learned stuff, obviously. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always been really interested in design. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to go do graphic design or something like that. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a fun pursuit for, you know, two or three years. Yeah. Uh, what any other so any hobbies that you're you're pursuing now outside the the company? Um, yeah, or I is mean, there time I guess, for that? Uh, I mean, I guess not a great deal. I mean, I run a fair bit. That's something I started doing a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, travel a fair bit. I guess that's a fairly obvious thing to say. But you know, sometimes for work, but often not. Um, it's been fun. I guess uh, I've been fortunate enough that by the time I moved to the U.S., uh, like we were making a bit of money. Uh, and it's fairly affordable to travel around, you know, either locally in New England or uh, taking flights and stuff. And as I say, some for work, some not. Um, and so I've actually seen a lot of America, actually, in the last few years, uh, mm-hmm. which has been really fun. Like mm-hmm. a couple of really great road trips and, um, you know, traveled quite a bit on the West Coast and stuff. So that's, um, yeah, that's definitely been a highlight. Yeah. Cool. Well, sounds good. Well, Paul, I appreciate you coming by and uh, talking about everything. Of course. Yeah, no, great to be here. Yeah, it was lovely chatting. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the good way to do that? Um, yeah. So they could email me. It's paul at litmus.com uh, or find me on Twitter. I'm unsalted. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash giant robots slash 68. Today's podcast was recorded and edited by Mike Manor and produced by Chad Pytel. Thanks for listening. 